I'm here to brief the results of the investigation I directed following the report of civilian casualties from our strike in Kabul on 29 August. Having thoroughly reviewed the findings of the investigation and the supporting analysis by interagency partners, I am now convinced that as many as 10 civilians, including up to seven children, were tragically killed in that strike. Moreover, we now assess that it is unlikely that the vehicle and those who died were associated with ISIS-K or were a direct threat to U.S. forces. I offer my profound condolences to the family and friends of those who were killed. This strike was taken in the earnest belief that it would prevent an imminent threat to our forces and the evacuees at the airport. But it was a mistake, and I offer my sincere apology. As the combatant commander, I am fully responsible for this strike and this tragic outcome. Absolutely unbelievable. This Friday afternoon, coming out of Washington, D.C., the 17th of September, the year of our Lord, 2021. My goodness, do we need our Lord right now. The United States has committed a war crime, ladies and gentlemen. There is no other way to get around it. There is no other way to say it. Joe Biden is a war criminal. And we're going to talk about that. I hadn't planned to do an episode today, but... If you follow my work, if you follow what we report at the National Pulse, you will know that last week on September the 10th, we ran the headline. Joe Biden committed a war crime by drone striking civilian aid worker, not ISIS, evidence reveals. Welcome to the National Pulse. I'm Raheem Ghassam, editor-in-chief of thenationalpulse.com. I've also just got off recording a podcast uh, that is going to be released next week for somebody else. So uh, excuse me if I'm a little tired in the voice and a little hoarse. But we need to talk about a few things. Two things specifically, one incredibly serious and one a little less serious, but both important parts, important Markers, I would say. So let's start with this war crime. I want to play another clip from what was General McKenzie's briefing to reporters uh, just moments ago from when I rushed down here to the studio to release this emergency uh, broadcast, I would say. And, and I would say I'm doing that for this reason. All my life growing up, from watching 9-11 occur, watching American television, eating American food. Your fault, I have this belly to shake. In all that time, we were led to believe, we did believe, a lot of us still want to believe, that America was a more moral actor in the world than any other. Today, that may not be the case anymore. We've talked on this podcast before, haven't we? About decline, about what it means to to lose one's nation, to lose one's standing in the world. And today, we're going to talk about what it means to lose your moral authority in the world. You know, as much as uh, French, you know, citizens will poo-poo Americans coming over, sneer down their noses, there's still always been this fondness if you go to a pub in england you have one of your yankee doodle accents <laughs> no offense to the southerners but that's what we call we call all the Yan- we call all americans yanks right that's just what we call you 
And if you have one of those, the response is never going to be, or has never been, you know, get out of here, you're not welcome here, screw you, etc. The response has always been one of, of, of kindness and welcoming and camaraderie. We speak the same language. We broadly eat the same things. We care about the same things. Imagine what it's going to be like being an American somewhere else in the world, let alone being an American in America and having to face up to this creepy pedophile president that you have sniffing babies' heads all the time. I know you suffer from that already, ladies and gentlemen. That is not lost on me. And I also know who gives a flying monkeys about what they say about America abroad. Yeah, but it's not about that. It's about who we are as humans, about who we are as people and how we interact with one another. It's about what our communities looks like. Look, look like. It's about what our civilization looks like. And America had the moral authority for so very long, despite mistakes. Okay, mistakes are made. Lots of people make mistakes. You think the British Empire didn't make any mistakes? Come on. But today is a really dark day, I think, for America. And I think we, we should treat it with the solemnity that it deserves. I want to pull up, before I get into the next clip, so I want to pull up the article that I wrote last week. And of course, every every time I do something like this, I've got people breathing down my head. Are you sure? That's a pretty strong word. It's a pretty strong statement. I'm, I'm, nobody's 100% certain about when they hit the publish button. No, no editor can, can really get to, you know, 100%. The best we can really get to is 99.9%. And I would say that on publication of this last week, I was I was 99.5% probably sure that I wanted to use these terms, worried that I was maybe being a bit partisan in my couching of all of this. But, but now, the US military has had to admit, you heard it there in the intro, he called it a mistake. A mistake. 13 U.S. servicemen had their lives extinguished by a terror attack at the Kabul airport. And in a desperate attempt to save face, the Biden regime murdered 10 civilians, seven of them children. Do you feel good about that? Because it makes me sick to my throat that this bumbling fucking buffoon of a president extinguished lives in an attempt to shore up his own failed Afghan withdrawal strategy. Am I being clear enough about this? That a man murdered civilians... to try and shore up his polling numbers. And if you think this political establishment is not capable of doing the same things here in the United States, then you are wrong. These are sick people. They are sick. They do not value life. We know that. We know that from all of the conniptions that the left is pretending to have over abortion in Texas. Texas. 
We know it from the fact that General Milley was willing to call up a PLA general to commit treason and now brag about it. He says he called it routine today. Did you guys see that? He called it routine to call up a PLA general and inform them that he would not be following the chain of command or if he did, he would tip the enemy off in advance. Has this country ever been in these dire straits? I know you've had a civil war. But have you ever had a situation where an oligarchy, an immoral, murderous, war criminal oligarchy was pulling the strings? And nobody was doing anything about it? These useless, these useless political figures on Capitol Hill, these partisan figures on Capitol Hill, absolutely useless. I wrote last week, analysis has revealed that Joe Biden's last-minute effort to salvage credibility during the Afghanistan withdrawal included a heinous war crime which murdered aid worker civilians, not the ISIS-K terrorist the Biden regime claimed. Seven days ago, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow's news today, thenationalpulse.com. August the 28th, they announced this. August the 28th. It's taken them nearly a month now to reckon with this. August the 28th, Major Hank Taylor, Major General Hank Taylor, sorry, told reporters that an over-the-horizon counterterrorism briefing that they had killed two high-profile ISIS-K targets. They refused at the time to release the names of these people, which set everybody's alarm bells ringing. It wasn't just me. Now it looks like it was Zamari Amadi, an aid worker for a U.S. aid group, a California-based aid group, who was carrying water in his car, was struck by an MQ-9 Reaper drone. Let me walk you through the timeline in case you missed any of this, okay? So Amadi was working, I think, as an electrical engineer for a Nutrition and Education International, California-based aid group. On the morning of the Biden atrocity, Amadi's boss called him at 8.45 in the morning, asked him to pick up his laptop from the office. He left his house at around 9 a.m. in a white Toyota Corolla, company car, and U.S. surveillance began on him at that moment. The drone tracked him around Kabul all day. He picked up breakfast, went to his office, and about 2.30 p.m., he started filling up canisters with water to distribute them as aid. Commuted home at around 4 p.m., and he arrived home at about 4.50 p.m. in the afternoon. His kids rushed out of the home to greet him, and they were greeted by a Hellfire missile. And they were killed. Because Joe Biden had to flex some muscle. Back a week ago, the 10 family members named by the New York Times were Ahmadi, Zamir, Faisal, Farzad, Nasser, Arwin, Benjamin, Hyatt, Malika, Samaya, 
And so let's get to what a war crime is, because I happen to believe that, you know, there have been a lot of war crimes in human history, for sure. Um, we've only quite recently in human history codified what a war crime is and why somebody might be punished for committing such a thing. So let's take the let's take the accepted definition, the Geneva Convention definition. Willful killing, torture, inhuman treatment, including biological experiments. Willful, willfully causing great suffering, serious injury to body or health, extensive destruction and appropriation of property not justified by military necessity, carried out unlawfully and wantonly. Goes on, talks about intentionally directing attacks against the civilian population or against individual civilians not taking direct part in hostilities. Intentionally directing attacks against civilian objects, that is, objects which are not military objectives. Intentionally directing attacks against personnel, installations, material, units or vehicles involved in humanitarian assistance or peacekeeping missions in accordance with the Charter of the United Nations, as long as they are entitled to the protection given to civilians or civilian objects under the international law of armed conflict. Intentionally launching an attack in the knowledge that such an attack will cause incidental loss of life or injury to civilians or damage to civilian objects or widespread long-term and severe damage to the natural environment which would be clearly excessive in relation to concrete and direct overall military advantage anticipated. And then attacking or bombarding by whatever means towns, villages, dwellings or buildings which are undefended and which are not military objectives. Ladies and gentlemen, by any commonly accepted measure, President Biden has presided over a war crime attack. And that is a fact. And there have been a lot of war crimes in human history. Many people argue that dropping the nuclear bomb was a war crime. But there are moments where I think leadership, especially moral leadership, necessity, especially moral necessity, like bringing the war to an end, um... And oratory, actually. Oratory. The ability to stand in front of an audience or a camera or a microphone and explain yourself. Explain why you did what you did, why you took the decisions you took, whether or not the rest of the world considers them morally heinous. You know, we're not all fans of the Geneva Convention and the UN Charters in, in all of their um, sub-clauses and, and so on and so forth. If you can justify justify justice right the root of those two words being the same thing if you can justify those actions publicly then typically whether it is international consensus or whether it is domestic consensus typically people will grant you not just the audience and the sympathy but the moral authority to speak with their name and act with their name with their money you, you the people, will do that, right? He did it after 9-11. A lot of those things were mistakes. Patriot Act, or at least the longevity of it, no curtailment on government's power, the length of the war, all of, all of you know, congressional authorizations, all of that, you know, could have been done 10,000 times better. 
But what are the chances you think Joe Biden takes to the sticks and delivers a moving piece of oratory that explains the actions he took? What, do you think he takes any responsibility for the actions he took? So while I agree, can you explain, General, this is a complete and utter failure. Can you explain how this possibly could have happened? Well, so uh, this particular strike, we certainly was a terrible mistake, and we and we certainly regret that. And I've been very clear that we take full responsibility for it. At the same time, we were carrying on a number of complex operations designed to defend ourselves. Uh, we conducted a strike a couple of days before up in Nangarhar that was very successful. We conducted other uh, operations across the battle space to, to defend ourselves during this very difficult 48-hour period when so many imminent threats were manifest. So while I agree with it, this, this strike certainly did not come up to our standards, and I profoundly regret it. I would not qualify the entire operation in those terms. That is what you call some of the worst oratory in the world. And this is not his job to sit up there, General whatever his name is, and sit up there and make excuses for the foreign policy decisions made by Tony Blinken and Joe Biden. Joe Biden wouldn't have been in this situation if he had not cancelled Trump's crisis contingency response team that Mike Pompeo had been building out in the State Department. We know that. We broke that story at the National Pulse, if you remember. Joe Biden wouldn't have had this situation if the State Department and the politicals that Joe Biden put into the State Department and Antony Blinken put into the State Department hadn't tossed out any idea that didn't come from them. Because that's what they did, just so you know. When Blinken and his team went into state, day one, they wanted to just, just dismantle. They didn't look at anything that Trump and Pompeo had done. They just wanted to dismantle all of it. Reckless, reckless disregard. Disregard. And... Not only did it cost American lives, American servicemen's lives at that airport in Kabul. Not only did it cost civilian lives of that Afghani aid worker and his children. But think about now what it's cost America on the world stage. Because even if you don't care about the moral imperative and what the international community thinks, whatever the international community is nowadays. Surely you must care about the geopolitical strategic imperatives that Joe Biden has given away in Afghanistan. That he has sent a message to the rest of the world that we are not a reliable actor. He, that he has sent a message to the world that, hey, we might take rash decisions and we might do things that, as the general said, that don't live up to our standards, euphemistically. Are you kidding me? You don't live up to your standards? Killing children doesn't live up to your standards? I'm so glad to hear it. Wow, it makes me feel a lot better that you said that. This is, this is a disgrace of the, of, of the highest proportions. And I think it, it is greater disgrace that you won't see any um, justice off this. You won't. I don't think anybody's really going to have any discipline over this. Certainly not the President of the United States won't resign over this as he should. Anthony Blinken won't as he should. The OD, the Pentagon staff should. 
it's 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 an extraordinary time to be here. It's an extraordinary time to be watching this all falling apart. Willfully, by the way, it's not an accident. What do you think China's saying now to everyone around the world? Do you think those diplomatic hotlines haven't lit up? China's calling every country in the world saying, hey, by the way, you know what? <laughs> America's a war criminal now. Huh? How about that? You going to side with them at the UN? You want to partner with them? Trade deals? Hmm? Are they a reliable partner on the world stage? According to my source, in France, the French government is now toying with the idea of revoking uh, the credentials of their ambassadors in Washington, D.C., in London, and in Canberra. Why? Because, again, due to the botched behavior of Joe Biden, especially the very pro-China behavior of Joe Biden, the United States is now scrambling to try and put some kind of defense deal together, the UK, Australia, and the United States. Too little, too late. And not least, you killed the Australian submarine deal with the French. And now the French are pissed. I, as a Brit, don't particularly care when the French are pissed, but I thought the, I thought the adults were back. I thought our allies were, you know, going to be reassured by the Biden regime. He's now just insulting them, offending them. He went to NATO, remember, and he talked to Macron. And then he said, America is back. And then the journalist asked Macron, is America back? Macron sort of went, uh, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, it's back to murdering civilians. It's back to pissing off its allies. Back to the same old neoliberal, neoconservative bullshit foreign policy that was the reason Trump was elected in the first instance, right? Back with a vengeance on a stolen election. A coup that Mark Milley participated in. Mark Milley, who, by the way, called the Afghan strike, the war crime, quote-unquote, righteous. These people are sick. Mark Milley is sick. Joe Biden is sick. These people are gripped by evil. There's no other way to say it. So I just wanted to pop down here to the studio today and 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 reflect on that because it's a lot to think about. It really, really is. Now, Switching gears a little bit. I confess from an egotist's perspective that that me being right about the war crime a week ago isn't the only reason I'm down here in the studio today. I was also right back in December when everybody was talking about the launch of this new UK television channel, GB News. You may have heard of it. Supposed to be the, you know, Britain's answer to Fox, as if Fox even represents the political right in America nowadays. It doesn't. But, you know, that's the framing of all of this. That's what they're you know, putting out. Nonsense anyway, because Britain has so uh, such strict regulatory standards on its broadcast television that you, you can't air, you know, even notionally right-wing opinion programming. Uh, it has to be balanced and blah, 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 right? But anyway, that was the, that was the framing of it. And the chairman of the organization was this chap, Andrew Neal. We've done a couple of podcasts about it before. In case you missed, go back and listen. 
But Andrew Neal's a we have a we have a four letter word beginning with C in England for him, but I won't say it on the podcast. We we use that word very freely in England. I won't use it with you. But he's not a good dude, put it that way. Um, I've written an article about this, so I won't bore you to tears about it, but I wrote back in December that this was a bad idea with bad people and it was going to lead to bad things. Fast forward nine months, ten months. Well, Andrew Neal... (laughs) Andrew Neal has had to resign. I think he was ousted from GB News after a totally shambolic launch. Technical issues, rubbish, guests, everything. And then there were people taking the knee on air. And they and they built this as the anti-woke channel. So, I guess the investors saw what an absolute pig's ear Andrew Neil was making of it and uh, ousted him. And effectively has have replaced him, at least in a, in, a, in the sense of an editorial vision, with none other, none other than my old friend Nigel Farage. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's a good news. It's a good thing. But I just... <laughs> I want people to realise that from December to today, it has been a slog, a struggle, to get people to understand who Andrew Neil really is. He spent 20 years at the BBC. Who did they think he was going to be? It's like taking Jim Acosta and saying, hey, you want to you wanna set up Breitbart TV? You want to be the chairman of that? <laughs> anyway, we did it. We finally got rid of him is what I'm saying. And then he goes he goes back. I'll, I'll play you this, actually. Let me, let me try and pull this clip up. He goes back running with his tail between his legs, the little, the little philosophical fraudster. He goes running back to the BBC, of all places. Andrew Neil. Listen to this. He goes on... One of their flagship programs called BBC Question Time. And I think you could do something different without going anywhere near Fox. Uh, Fox deals in uh, untruths. It deals in conspiracy theories. uh, And it it deals in fake news. And that's not my kind of journalism. And I would never have set out to to do that. Um, Is that why you've left? I'll let you draw your own conclusions as to why I'm here tonight and not with GB News. Uh, on that. Um, no, hang on, Andrew, you're not going to get off that lightly. Well, I wasn't expecting Why? to. No, no. So, uh, this is your first uh, appearance on anything other than GB News since you announced your resignation. Why have you quit? Uh, in the run-up to the launch, through the launch, and in the aftermath of the launch, and I think most of you who have heard anything about it will know that you couldn't file the, the launch under startling success. Uh, your launch. More and more differences emerge between myself and the other senior managers and the board of GV News. And rather than these differences narrowing, they got wider and wider. And I felt it was best that if that's the route they wanted to take, then that's up to them. That's, and what it's was their that? money. What was that route? And, uh, well, the route is what I think is what you can see on GV News at, at the moment. People should make up their own minds as to whether that's what they want to watch. I thought it wasn't for me. And I, I had wanted a different route. Doesn't mean I'm right, they're wrong, but it certainly was a difference. And is it because you felt they were going too far to the right? I I also spent the summer looking at all the No, I'm asking, is it that you felt they were going too far to the right? People should make up their own minds on that. No, but we're just wondering why you've What I've told you 
is that the differences were such that the direction they were going in was not the di direction that I had outlined. It was not the direction that I had envisaged for the channel. Uh, and, but I was in minority of one. So it's doing what it's doing, and it's up to them. Good luck to them if that's what they want to do. But it wasn't good. So, <laughs> by the way, you've got to find that clip on, on, on social media and watch it, because it's, it's actually on the National Pulse website inside my story as well. He looks totally dejected. And I, I, I was about to say I'm not a man for kicking somebody when they're down. I absolutely am, if they are a terrible person. Um, and, and Andrew Neal is a terrible person. He starts off by talking about Fox and how he's got this like beef with Fox. You couldn't put a fag paper, a cigarette paper between Andrew Neal and Paul Ryan, who sits on the Fox News board, right? You couldn't. They have the same people ideology. They believe in amnesty. They believe in illegal immigration. They're always railing against nationalism. They're neoliberals. They're neoconservatives. Um, you know, Andrew Neal is the chairman of the Spectator magazine, if any of you ever have seen that. Just mercurial, uh, you know, pseudo right-wing bollocks most of the time. Um, and Andrew Neal's up there, like, giving this, uh, you know, moral authority. Uh, you know, uh, it's not the... Uh, thing I envisaged. What did you envisage then? Why didn't you just tell people what you envisaged? You didn't. You didn't tell anybody that. He just wants to have a pop because he's crap and he was ousted. And good riddance to him. Americans will maybe know Andrew Neal from trying to have a pop at Ben Shapiro. I'm not a big Ben Shapiro guy, but he did him dirty on air. Shapiro didn't really handle it very well, I don't think, but these are the people we have to deal with. And now I think Piers Morgan is going to the New York Post. This is a guy who was at CNN. What is going on? We just Are we just like recycling these geriatric buffoons who have done nothing but cause damage to the media sphere? I happen to take great offense at this because I happen to do the real news. These people wouldn't know if it bit them in the ass. He talked about fake news. Just now he says Fox does fake news. Yeah, calling the election in Arizona. <laughs> but that's not what he's talking about. He says fake news. You may not know this. You may not even care, ladies and gentlemen. I'm wrapping up. Don't worry. But Andrew Neal once took verbatim a David Cameron conservative party, i.e. a liberal left conservative party, briefing against my friend who runs the oldest conservative, actually conservative think tank in the world. It's called the Bow Group. He's been on this show before, Ben Harris-Quinney. He took a briefing from Party HQ, read it out on air, didn't tell people that that's what he was doing. He read it as if it was his own research, read this thing out on air, accused Ben of being something and someone that he had never claimed to be. And the BBC never apologized. It was It was known to be false after the fact it came out but we didn't hear any apology we didn't hear any you want to talk about fake news andrew neil the fake news is that andrew neil has a future in the media business that's the fake news because I will set my face like flint to haunt that old bastard and his lies and his frauds. I haven't even got into how the spectator has treated me over the years. 
Not worth it. Not worth my time. Not worth yours. But I do want to say thank you for tuning in to this special broadcast. I want you to share this with people, please. Make that, like, the thing you do immediately. Don't don't close your podcast app. Open your phone or your laptop, wherever you're listening to us, on your computer. Hit that share button right now. And not so fast. Please leave us a review. Leave us some stars, however many you think we're worth. We are funded by you, not billionaires, not corporates. This all comes from your generosity. So you are a producer in this show and a participant in this, and the website and everything that we do. And I want to thank you for that. If you want to support us, head on over to fundrealnews.com. If you're already a member, you can go to thenationalpulse.com forward slash donate. Consider making a top-up donation as we grow and have more impact. I just gave you two stories. We were right about seven days ago and we were right about nine months ago. If you value that, help us out at fundrealnews.com and otherwise, as much as you can, have a good weekend.